Hey everyone, welcome back to the Practicology Podcast, where we are putting theology to work in our everyday lives. My name is Matthew Kane. I'm going to be joined shortly by our co-host, Mike Knox. Let me start by asking you listeners a question. Do you want to be spiritual? Well, I know that question may come across a little bit arrogant, perhaps, or a little bit aggressive, but this actually is coming from Mike's title today. So you want to be spiritual. Thanks, Matthew. Yeah, maybe I'll start by recalling that time long ago in high school when I wanted to be preppy. Not just be preppy, but look it, be known for it. Uh, So I worked backwards from the end goal and came up with some action items. Uh, I needed to change my thinking, study more, get better marks, and so on. I needed to change my talking, and I needed to change my clothes and get a preppy wardrobe. And lately I've been thinking about, what does it mean to be spiritual? What does someone do who thinks, not that I want to be preppy, but I want to be more spiritual? Is it the same as with my pursuit of preppiness? Do I just need to think more spiritual thoughts, maybe follow a spiritual YouTube channel? Should I start talking more spiritual, sounding more spiritual, wearing more spiritual clothes, whatever those might look like? Yeah, Mike, the way you're talking about this reveals a couple things to me right away. One is you do know more about fashion than me. I'm, I'm not sure if I know what being preppy looks like or not. Maybe I was, I, I just don't know. But the other thing it tells me is that being spiritual can actually be looked at as sort of trendy. And then our desire to be spiritual might disguise nothing more than just another attempt to sort of find my own identity or establish my own personal value. Yeah, that's right. There's a form of spirituality that is trendy right now. It's very common to meet people who say they're spiritual, not religious. The rest of the conversation you'd have with these people make it clear that they're not meaning spiritual in a Christian sense at all. And if spiritualness can be trendy in the culture, how much more so in the church? We can think, maybe if I read my Bible a lot and carry it it around with me everywhere, maybe if I pray a lot whenever the youth are getting together, Uh, Maybe if I volunteer a lot and go on lots of mission trips and organize tons of spiritual activities and dress certain ways and be seen as a really self-disciplined person regarding food and comforts, then I'll earn a reputation for being spiritual. Yeah, and I could add a couple more things to that. Maybe if I talk a lot about the spirit or share lots of amazing private experiences that I've had with God, I could share some testimonies of how the Spirit really spoke to me or supernaturally guided me like you've never seen before, and then I'll be spiritual and seen to be spiritual. So it's sounding like our desire to be spiritual, the way you phrase this so far, or uh, contextualize this, it can be like a lot of other desires in our lives. It's not always 100% pure in motive. This brings to mind, maybe this is 20 plus years ago, I remember Mr. Norman Crawford preaching at a Prince Edward Island conference. And this was a very striking thing at the time that he said to me, or that he said preaching from the pulpit, he said, sometimes I wonder if anything I've ever done has been with a 100% pure motive. So that's a, a challenge, but Mike, you're not talking here to discouraging us, to discourage us from wanting to be spiritual, I assume. Definitely not. I want to encourage anyone who's listening who has a desire within them to be more spiritual. And by the way, I don't want to despise anyone that in any way fits some of the profile we've been tracing so far. In other words, I have friends that do carry their Bible around almost everywhere they go, and I regard them as genuinely spiritual friends who I actually want to become more like. So many of the things we've mentioned just now are are actually good things but none of them by itself is a true mark of being spiritual. In fact, I think someone who wants to pursue their desire to be spiritual just by trying to live the life we've just described is going to get burnt out. You're not going to be able to keep that up. 
And the good news is that there is a far better way, the Bible's way of being spiritual. And in order to discover it, we need to read a couple Bible verses about the Spirit. Matthew, I think you have them queued up for us. I do. Here we go. John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Remember, Christ is speaking. He says, the Spirit will bear witness about me. Then John 16 13, 14 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Thanks. So, so the spirit is spiritual, right? We all understand that the spirit is spiritual. And Matthew, what is the spirit all about according to those verses you just read? Well, in these verses, he's bearing witness about Christ. He's glorifying Christ. Yeah, that's right. So we can say this two ways. The spirit is other-directed or the spirit is Christ-centered. Other-directed, Christ-centered. J.I. Packer was on his way to preach one winter night on the words you just read, Matthew, where it says, He, the spirit, will glorify me, Christ. And Packer turned the corner and noticed how the church building was floodlit and realized how this is like the work of the Spirit. Good flood, flood lighting uh, on a building illuminates the building, but the lights themselves are concealed. The lights direct attention away from themselves onto another object. And thus the Holy Spirit has a flood lighting ministry. He's always working to draw our attention to Christ. Packer puts it this way, it is as if the Spirit stands behind us, throwing light over on Jesus, who stands facing us. The Spirit's message to us is never, look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at him and see him and see his glory, get to know him and hear his word, go to him and have life, get to know him and taste his gift of joy and peace. Awesome. I love that, Mike. The Spirit's other directedness and in these verses that we've read, the Lord's talking about the day of Pentecost when the spirit of truth has come. And at Pentecost, we see that play out. The spirit comes down upon the disciples and they speak in different languages. There's this amazing spectacle and people are trying to get close and see what's going on. And what do they hear when they do? They hear the disciples declaring not how great the Holy Spirit is, but declaring the mighty works of God. And then the spirit empowers Peter to preach. And does he get Peter to draw attention to the Holy Spirit primarily? No. Every detail of Peter's message is meant to draw people's attention to Christ. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, those disciples, they weren't all saying, look at us, look at us, look at how spiritual we are. And the Holy Spirit wasn't saying through Peter, look at me, look at me. This is this is my day to come down and do my big work. No, um, th this is the Spirit's big day, as it were, on the divine calendar. But look what he does with it. He makes it all about the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. And that's what he does all the time. You look through the Gospels and watch for the Holy Spirit. What does he do? He, he does things like bring about the miraculous conception of Christ. He comes down publicly from heaven to alight on Christ. He, he leads Christ and empowers Christ in a service. And he, he's even involved in, in Christ's redeeming work on the cross. At the cross, Hebrews says, the Lord Jesus offered himself through the Spirit and then in the resurrection too, we know the spirit in Romans 1 was at work and in Romans 8 to raise Christ. So if I'm 
bringing all this back to ourselves now, Mike, uh, not to draw attention to ourselves, but in order to help us to be more spiritual, you're telling us the mark of true spirituality is to be Christ-centered. Correct. Yes. Being spiritual, like the spirit, is to be other-directed, to be Christ-centered. We could ask, how deep down does this Christ-centeredness go in the spirit? Well, theologians point out that the Bible gives a number of clues that just as the Son is eternally begotten of the Father, so the Spirit is eternally breathed out or proceeding from the Father and the Son, that the Spirit is the bond of love between the Father and His Son. Why does the Spirit long to bind us to the Father in the Son? Why does He live to pour out their love into our heart? Why does he work constantly to direct us back to the Lord Jesus? Because that's who the Spirit is. He is the mutual personal love between the Father and the Son. In other words, the Spirit doesn't work up the desire to flood like Christ. He doesn't deny himself and say, no, I've got to point to Christ. No, this is what the Spirit uh, longs to do. This is what comes most naturally to him. All right. I think you are helping us put this theology into practicology now, Mike. Thank you. So let's tease out some practical implications of this theology now. Sure. To, to be spiritual means you're someone in whom the Spirit does this Christ-directing work. It means being someone who the Spirit is empowering to look at Christ and become more like Him. It's, it's really exciting and freeing. Uh, so what does this look like in real life? Well, I think I've got four things here. And Matthew, you're going to help me with some of them, or at least one of them. The first one is this. Christians, spiritual people, Christians, we read Scripture looking for Christ. That's what being spiritual looks like as a Christian. We read Scripture hunting for Christ. The Spirit has written a Christ-centered book called the Bible. And there's so many verses that bring this out, but one of them would be 1 Peter 1, verses 10 to 12. The Spirit wants to meet you when you open your Bible, and He works like a reading lamp and a highlighter. He wants to illuminate, to floodlight Christ, and He wants to highlight Him on our page. He wants us to be like John the Baptizer in his, in his mother's womb. Uh, remember, she was full of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth was, and when Mary came close um, with the Lord in her womb, when John heard and sensed the closeness of Christ, what did he do? He jumped. That's how the Spirit wants us to read our Bibles. He, he wants us to open them up and, and, and be looking for Christ. Where's Christ? Oh, I want to find Christ. And then jump. There he is. He's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so gentle and gracious to me. Oh, how he loves me. I love him too. So there's a mark of, of a Spirit-filled Christian. That's what it means to be spiritual. Look for Christ in the Bible. Number two. Um, not just to look for him when we read scripture, but then to think about him, to set our minds on the Lord Jesus throughout the day. And, and so Paul talks in Romans 8 about how every Christian has the spirit living within and, and, and how we live or we walk by the spirit. And Paul characterizes living in the spirit as having our minds set on the things of the spirit. That's Romans 8 verses 5 to 8. And what are these things of the Spirit that we set our, our minds on? Well, the rest of the chapter unpacks that for us. Here, let me give you a few examples. The things of the Spirit that we fix our minds on are things like how there's no more condemnation for us because Christ has borne it for us. Uh, on, on how we're guaranteed to rise again and be glorified like the Lord Jesus because the, the Spirit of the risen Christ dwells within us. Uh, another one how we're adopted into God's family and heirs with Christ and the Father is our Father in Christ and we can call him Abba. 
and how at the end of chapter eight, how no one and nothing can ever separate us from the love of Christ. So a spiritual person is a Christian indwelt permanently by the Holy Spirit. That personal spirit works in us to think about the Lord Jesus, to set our minds on him. Here's a snapshot in a day of a spiritual person. You feel empty and you think, hmm, how can I find my satisfaction and fill up on Christ's love? You feel insecure. And so you think, hmm, let me take a moment to find my security in the love of Christ. Maybe you sin and fall like I so often do. Well, what do you do? You're a spiritual person. So you come to God confidently in Christ and you, and, and you tell him the whole thing and thank him for your savior who died for that very sin. Amen. Thank you. Lord Jesus, for paying for our sins. We appreciate that so much. And the spirit who has given us this help to focus on Christ, uh, if he does that, then a third thing we will do as spiritual people is we will seek the friendship and fellowship with others who love Christ. So this is such a blessing to us. I, I treasure Christian friends that I have. I, I treasure spiritually minded people. And this is a mercy of the Spirit's work in our lives and in the body of Christ, that he gives us friends who really love Christ. And by spending time with them, we can come away more Christ-centered too. And Mike, you are one of the ones that the Spirit uses serving this role in my life, and I appreciate that. And this is the function of the church in our lives, Mike, and in our local churches as well. When we gather with the assembly, we should be hearing preaching from the Word of God that floodlights the person and work of Christ. We experience fellowship in the spirit that points us to Christ. And when we're struggling, our brothers and sisters can come alongside us and they remind us that Christ has gone through struggles as well. And it's the spirit helping us through our brothers and sisters to point us back to Christ. Amen, Matthew. That, that's why being spiritual in the sense is so exciting. It's not something I put on or, or try to keep up and maintain a front but um, it's, it's about reality. It's about Christ. I mean, you, you mentioned the church and, and even our spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 are gifts from the Holy Spirit to help us minister Christ to one another. Uh, a spiritual person isn't constantly talking about their own gifts in ministry so much as they are using these gifts to serve and help others. So that brings me to my fourth and final uh, evidence of, of just being a spiritual person. It, it looks like this. It means we are other-directed and Christ-centered in our ministry, in our service. Just yesterday, I, I was reading in Acts chapter 11 about Barnabas, where it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. So I'm looking, okay, well, what does this guy's ministry look like? And this is what it says. It says he came to this brand new church in Antioch. And what did he do? He saw the grace of God that was at work, and he was glad, he was joyful. And then he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord, to the Lord Jesus. He directed them not to himself, not even to HQ headquarters in Jerusalem, but to the Lord Jesus. He was full of the Spirit. And remember how Paul describes the Spirit-filled Christians in, in Ephesians 5, 18 to 21. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Well, what does that look like? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord, the Lord Jesus with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Yeah, that's a great scripture, Mike. And we hear all this and, and maybe we think with all this focus on Christ, including in the meetings of the church, hey, will the spirit feel left out? But he doesn't feel left out because as you, as you said, the spirit loves Christ so much, his joy is to throw the light onto Christ. This is him fulfilling his ministry. Frederick Bruner has written, the spirit is most present where Jesus is most central. So the spirit does not mind being neglected if Jesus is not. Yeah, that's right. The spirit gets really jealous, not of Christ, but for Christ. For instance, in Colossae, where people are coming around trying to get the Christians into these spiritual practices that will distract them from the Lord, the spirit leads Paul to boldly counter it. Even spiritual practices, even spirituality can be dangerous if they or it displaces or distracts us or eclipses in any way Christ. Instead, the Spirit says, look, these, these spiritual practices are absolutely useless in overcoming the flesh. Instead, Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So in short, to be spiritual is to be in love with Jesus Christ. Satan wants to get our minds anywhere but on him. The Spirit wants to fill our horizons with the Lord, which means to be spiritual means I'm not all taken up with my spirituality, but with the Lord Jesus. And uh, Charles Erdman uh, uh, once said something like this. He said, I have become convinced that those persons are most filled with the Holy Spirit who are least conscious of it. All they know is that they wish to serve Jesus Christ and they feel that they are unprofitable servants. So let's look away from ourselves to Jesus. As we look at him and rely on him and bring our daily struggles and sins to him, the spirit will slowly make us more like him, which means we'll become other directed too. We'll leave that engaging theological conversation in which we're burning to, to give our peace and bedazzle everyone with our knowledge. We'll leave that conversation that we're enjoying to welcome the new kid who just walked into the youth gathering. When a friend reaches out to confess a sinful addiction, we'll remember the truth of Galatians 6.1 that spiritual people restore fallen believers in humility and gentleness. When we spend time with an unbelieving friend, we'll have the heart of the spirit-filled preacher named Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 to point them not to ourselves and our cleverness, but to Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what it looks like to be spiritual. Yeah, there's a reason we are called Christians and not Numians, not Spiritians. You can look up pneumatology if you would like. Just remember it starts with a P. But what does being spiritual look like in a Christian's life? Number one, reading scripture, looking for Christ. Number two, thinking about Christ and enjoying him throughout the day. Number three, seeking friends and fellowship with those who also love Christ. And the fourth thing Mike has given us today, putting others ahead of ourselves and seeking to direct others to Christ, just like the Holy Spirit himself does. Mike, thanks so much for that teaching. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Practicology podcast today. And we hope you will look for the next episode to be downloaded in about a week's time. And we hope you have a great day. Take care, everyone.